been studying on Wednesday nights, oh, we've been studying in depth the, the prophecies and the things that formed the seed that was placed in Mary's womb. You know, don't leave off the virgin birth. It's an important part of the story. It was miraculous. And from Genesis, when, when God was dealing with Adam and Eve and the serpent in the garden, and he looked at the serpent and he gave him word. He said, there's one coming that's going to break your power. And from that moment, God began to picture through word and through glimpses of people's lives, began to show us who this Savior was going to be. And, and everything that needed to be said to describe who Jesus was going to be and what he was going to accomplish in his life was spoken before this moment. It was, it was all spoken through the prophets or pictured through people's lives before the nativity. And when the angel approached Mary and he told her that she had been chosen and she said, be it unto me according to thy Then all of those words that had been spoken through the generations and all of the things pictured of who this Christ would be was conceived in the womb of Mary. And the scripture says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So don't leave that part off. That's an important part of the story. And it's, yes, this is the celebration. This is the season that we celebrate the physical arrival of Jesus, but it's the culmination of God's word that Mary was willing to take and to receive and to let develop in her, much as the same way as we have to receive his word to us and say, be it unto me according to your word and let his word develop a life in us. The future was painted in the history of mankind. It's not just history. And I've heard people, and somebody else and I talked about this the other day. I can't remember who it was. I apologize. I'd give you credit. But somebody else was saying, you know, people talk about it. I think it was Tanya. People talk about it being a, a book of history. There is history in the book. But our future is painted in the history. So it makes the word very relevant. Because everything that happened here... And if you're listening on radio, in this manger had everything to do with me. It's not just something that happened. It's, it's changing my life today. And if we don't see the gospel that way, it will be a religion instead of life changing. So just remember that, that the future was painted in the history of mankind. And now the world, because of this season, was going to get to see it unfold. Jesus was going to walk out what the words of God had said about him. And some people were going to get to see it. And some people were going to know it. Other people were going to see it, but not see it. I want to make sure that we see it. We see it to the point that it changes how we live and what we do. Because when you see the surety of God's word in prophecy, when you can look back, and those of you who don't know, we have QR codes at the entrance of the sanctuary. 
If you'll scan that QR code with your phone, you'll get the notes. Because I have, I don't want to go back over everything we've taught for weeks on Wednesday night, okay? But I included in here some of the prophecies that formed the seed that was placed inside of Mary. And, and it, when, why do we study this? Because if God oversaw that word, and he was able to, from Genesis up to this point of the manger, able to fulfill perfectly. I'm talking perfectly. Every prophecy that had been given for thousands of years through numerous people. Then perhaps when I hear his word about me, I can have faith that he will fulfill it also. It's, it's relevant. I'm just going to very quickly tell you what the word thousands of years before the nativity told us about Jesus. That he would be born of woman. You can get the scriptures off these notes. That he would be born of a virgin. That kings would bring him presents. That those presents would consist of gold and of incense. That he, was the, he would be the son of God. It, it tells us his lineage. It tells us exactly who would be in his lineage. It tells us he would be born in Bethlehem. It tells us he would be a prophet. He would be a priest. He would be a king. He would be a judge. He would come while the temple was still standing. That gave him a timeline. That he would be preceded by a messenger, which was John the Baptist. That was told before Jesus was ever born. That he would be rejected by his own. That he would perform miracles and healings. That he would speak in parables. Even that he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. That he would be hated. That he would be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver. That he would not defend himself when he was brought before the leadership. That he would be beaten. That he would be spit upon. That was told. Hundreds to thousands of years before he was ever manifested in the flesh. That he would be numbered with the transgressors. That he would be pierced. That he would be crucified. That none of his bones would be broken. That they would cast lots for his clothing. That he would, they would give him vinegar to drink. And that he would say, why have you forsaken me? That wasn't the first time those words were spoken. The prophet foretold it. That he would be buried with the rich. That he would be resurrected. That he would ascend to heaven. That he would be seated at the Father's right hand. That he would be King of kings and Lord of lords. And our returning Lord and Savior. You think that's relevant? Well, I just don't know if I believe in the second coming. Well, if you believe in the first coming of Christ... And you go back and you look and see how that happened. It will build faith in you that he is coming again. So these things are important to study. They will, I'm telling you, they'll build your faith. We've been talking about a new kind of peace for weeks on Sunday mornings. This study will give you a new kind of peace because it doesn't just tell about the past up to the manger it tells our future it's already written in the book 
Jeremiah 1.12. The prophet said that the Lord said unto him, Thou hast well seen, I will hasten my word to perform it. God said, I will hasten my word to perform it. Let me give that to you out of the Amplified Version. You have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. What if I believe that? What if I believe that God is alert and active, watching over his word to perform it? What if I believe that? What does that do to fear? What does that do to dread? What does, what does that do to depression? What does that do to anxiety? Am I hitting anybody yet? What, what does that do to sickness and disease? What does that do to you wondering about your kids? It, it, it puts a faith in us. I am alert and active and I'm watching over my word to perform it. The question is, where does he find his word? I want him to find it in me. Marilyn, I want him to find it in me. I want him to find it in me. He can only watch over his word to perform it. He doesn't just watch over your wishes to perform it. And I think that's where a lot of Christians are. They're just throwing up some wishes. Like... It's not doing anything better than than throwing the penny in the wishing well. He watches over his word to perform it. We've watched him do it. We've studied it for weeks. Him, Him taking a word that was spoken thousands and thousands of years before and watching over that word and bringing it to pass. Bringing it into the physical. That makes me excited about reading his word. In fact, when Jesus... On the cross said, it is finished. You remember that? You can find it in John 19.30. When Jesus said, it is finished, he had fulfilled the prophecies concerning himself up to the ones of his death. Perfectly. Not one thing missing that the prophet said. It had been done. In fact, when they were questioning if he was the Christ or not, I think it was John, I can't remember who he looked at. And he, oh, he said, go tell him. He said, go tell John, I think, that you've seen the lame walk and that you've seen the deaf hear. You know what he was doing? He was referring to an old prophecy. And he said, now that you've seen me heal, go tell him this is what you've seen. What was he doing? He was identifying himself as the Messiah. He was identifying himself. He fulfilled it beautifully. God's word was written concerning his time, even in the heart of the earth. That, I mean, you can find that in Psalm 22. You can go to Psalm 22. And, and yes, it was the psalmist words. But those words, there was a snippet in there, a little reel in there, if you will, that was a picture of Jesus suffering in the heart of the earth, taking your sin nature, paying your price. And it was pictured ahead of time, and then Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus wasn't blind to what was happening around him. Jesus found himself in those scrolls. 
He identified himself in those scrolls. It was so amazing that in Luke, when they brought to him the scroll from Isaiah the prophet, that Jesus found the place that was written of him. The Lord has anointed me. And he started reading it, and I think the room about fell out. Oh, they had read it before. But never before had they heard it from a man who saw himself in the scripture. And it changed the way that he was seen, the way that he was felt in the room. Because he spoke as a man who had authority. Who had found himself in God's word. And let it, let it, he walked it out. What a moment that must have been. When what Isaiah had said was standing right in front of them. He was there to heal the brokenhearted. He was there to bind up their wounds. He he was there to, to set the prisoner free. And when he said it, it wasn't like any other man had ever read it before. And when you read it, it doesn't need to be like anybody else that's read it before. Other than Christ. Because you're in him and that's how you do the works of Christ. Amen? Amen. Jesus always found himself in the word. That's Luke 4, 17 through 19 if you want to look it up. Then then there's something so fascinating in Hebrews 10, 7. Jesus said, in the volume of the book it is written of me. It's Genesis to Revelation. If you're not seeing Jesus, you're missing the picture. It's all about him. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. And then we studied this. I can't remember if it was out here, if it was over there, if it was Wednesday night or Sunday morning. We talked about Jesus, as also found in Hebrews 10, walking after the resurrection. He walked the earth after the resurrection. And he comes upon two guys who are walking on the road to Emmaus. And he, he joins them, and they don't recognize him. And he's talking with them about the happenings that have been happening. They're telling him about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's, it's the buzz. It's, I think we talked about that last week out here. And so he starts talking to them, and he says something. He says, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself from Moses and the prophets. You know what he's saying? It may have looked like it was about something else, but it was about me, guys. And you know what? He opened their eyes. And they saw him. This living word still has that same power to come alive to you. If you don't, if you see Jesus but you don't know Jesus. You know what I mean? My attorney said it to me this way the other day. I thought it was brilliant. He's going to come preach to us one day. He said, you can be a believer or you can be an abider. we got a lot of believers that don't really know who their Savior is. I want to know him. All those words that were said about him. He wanted those guys. He took the time to walk with them and explain to them who he was. All through the law, Moses, the prophets, all those things concerning himself. And and when we find 
that. That's a peace to me. It's an assurance to me. The power of God's word, the truth of God's word, that he is watching over it to perform it. And I just, I just I don't want to really teach on type and shadows today, but here we go. Because all these things, all these Bible stories, all those flannel graph boards, older people in the room. I'm sure now they watch it on televisions or computer screens. But, you know, flannel graphs for us, all those, those, the history we thought that was in the Bible. Man, when he was born, it was fulfillment. And that's why heaven went nuts. The angels were singing and stars were shining and and there was this celebration on the earth because all of those things that the angels and the heavens had witnessed, all the prophets uh, that were in the bosom of Abraham that had spoken those words. Boom! <laughs> you know, there he was. There he was. And now they're not just words. We're going to get to start witnessing him walk them out. And don't think that those Jewish boys didn't have the opportunity to know because they knew the scrolls. And some of them got it. Some of them saw it. The scarlet cord. That Rahab placed in the window in Joshua 6. The scarlet cord that she placed in her window that was placed there to save her household. When the children of Israel came in to take Jericho, she had helped them. And they said, if you'll place the scarlet cord... Not a cord, not a blue cord, not a yellow cord. No, you place a red scarlet cord in your window. And when we see that blood, that cord, when we see that red, you will be saved and so will your whole household. That was Jesus in Joshua 6 before the manger was ever in place. That was, that was Jesus. He represents Jesus' blood. He'll save your family. That's what you get. When you go back and you read Joshua 6, that's what you get. He'll save your family. He'll save you. He'll save your family. Just believe in the blood. The serpent on the pole. Y'all know how I feel about Snakes. This is one serpent I love. The serpent on the pole is found in Numbers 21. That was Jesus. What? Jesus, a snake? Jesus, a serpent? Oh, yeah. Most beautiful thing in the world. Jesus Christ choosing to be on that cross, on that pole as this serpent was, with my sin nature. Taking my sin nature. And you know what that serpent on the pole did? You know the power that it had? It was a brazen serpent. God told Moses to make it. Put it on the pole. If they had been bitten by the serpent, by the fiery snakes. It's even worse than a regular snake. 
If they had been bitten by the poison of the fiery serpent, if they would look at that serpent on the pole and keep their eyes on him, then the effects of the poison would not be seen in their life. It wouldn't be seen in their bodies. A thousand can fall, 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. If you keep looking at the serpent on the pole, that's what they had to do. That was their assignment. They didn't have to make the serpent on the pole. They had to keep their eyes on the serpent of the pole. And that's hard to do when you got snakes called fiery serpents crawling across your sandals. And when your neighbor falls over dead. That's what he asked you to do. Why? Because that was Jesus. That was Jesus taking the effects of the enemy off of your life. That was Jesus. The manna. The manna that fell from heaven. The water that came from the rock when Moses struck it. Man, that was Jesus. That was Jesus before the manger. Your satisfying provision. Your bread of life. Your living water. He fulfilled it. You'll hear him say those words. I am the bread of life. I am living water. What was he doing? He's referring back and he's going, I want to show you who I was in the wilderness. He'll do the same thing. He's here to walk it out. The ark that Noah built. That big boat. The ark that Noah built. And that he entered into with his family. That would represent the covenant that we enter into through Jesus Christ with God. That raises us above what's happening down here in this earth. That was Jesus. And the baby that we celebrate being born in a stable, being placed in a manger, would be the Passover lamb of Exodus 12. I think I may take my nativity at home. And when my kids come over the day after Christmas, there may be a lamb in it. So that we can talk about. Jesus wasn't just born as a king of king, lord of lords. He was born as a Passover lamb. Innocent. Lying in a manger. Would die to satisfy a just God. Not just to cover sin as past sacrifices and offerings had done. But to cleanse us from sin. Not just cover it. Not a sacrifice would have to be made every year like the high priest had to present every year. To cover the sins of Israel. To cover the sins of the people every year. Go back. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. No. 
This Passover lamb born in this stable, placed in this manger, had God's life. And it was God giving himself for you. And there is no other sacrifice needed. I like to say it was living blood. It was living blood. Not a blood that will dry up and get old. But it is continually cleansing me. It's called the grace of God. I'm thankful for it, church. I don't know about you, but this is a girl that appreciates some grace. He would not just cover, but he would make us able to stand righteous before a holy God. And I I love studying his birth. I I love the fact that, that... we celebrate it. I love that, but we just, it's just a snippet of the story. It's just a part of the story. And when we go back and we start looking at all these things of, of Jonah um, in the belly of the well for three days, and that being a type of Christ in the heart of the earth, even Jesus pointed back to it so that we wouldn't miss it. How much more is what I ask myself. How much more am I missing that's in there that was Jesus? If the whole thing's about Jesus, what am I? I just want to know what I'm missing. I want to know what I'm missing. Why? Because it has something to do with me. It has something to do with my future. It's already written. Your future's already written. You know in Jeremiah 29 when the prophet said... For, for the Lord, I know the plans I have for you. I just want y'all to know they're in there somewhere. I know the plans I have for you. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Let's, let's go back and read that. I don't have it in my notes, but let's go back and read it. Jeremiah 29. I know you see it on lots of plaques and... But how does it affect your life today? If you take that for your own life. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Now, y'all, I'm sorry, but a lot of religion won't tell you that. That's not what a lot of religion says. I don't believe in religion. I believe in Christianity. And what I find in it is my God thought ahead of me. Where Whatever I'm dreading, the day that I'm dreading, the event that I'm dreading, whatever fear is trying to come about tomorrow, my God's already been there. He's never behind me. He's not late. He's already seen. He's already provided. And it takes faith for me to to walk forward without fear of what tomorrow is going to bring and know that he's already thought the thought and planned the plan. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. 
and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you will seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Church, our prayer for for us this next year is that we not get complacent when it comes to the word of God, but that it become a living I'm, I'm not even going to say thing because it's Jesus. A living person in my life. That it be the voice in my ear that overcomes the other voice in my ear. And that I take heed to his word because I have seen from Genesis forward that he watches over his word to perform it. And he can only perform it if he finds it in me. I want to give him something to find. I compare it to a lightning rod. It's like there's all this power up there in the heavenlies. A willingness. I, y'all. When religion starts telling you, you got to beg God. You don't know that he's already done it. That anything that we could possibly need was given through Jesus Christ. That God's not up there having to do anything else. You're not asking Jesus to do anything else. He's given us everything the scripture says that pertains to life and godliness. But it's going to be through the power, through the word that works on the inside of us. It requires a faith. I believe. There's some things I'm working on. I have to remind myself. I have to remind myself. I have to not X myself out. Sometimes it's not a matter of believing that God can. Sometimes it's a matter of believing that God did for me. And not overriding it and trying to call it humility. But to say that God didn't mean it for you goes against his word. And that's really more pride than it is humility. He chose, he made a choice. When, his, when, when he sent Jesus to the earth, he made a choice to fulfill his word. And he will fulfill his word in you. If it's healing, let him fulfill his word in you. You know, sometimes I think we get too caught up in how-tos. And when you just need to get real simple. God, this is what your word says. And I'm a believer. And I'm choosing to believe. When it comes to the thing you're fearing, the thing you're dreading, God, this is what your word says. I've watched you from Genesis. And I may not have seen it all, but I've seen enough to know you watch over your word to perform it. Here's your word. And you know, when we pray the word instead of the problem, When we say what the word says instead of what the problem says. You know what we're doing? We're sticking that lightning rod up there. We're saying, if you're watching over your word to perform it, right here it is. Right here it is. His willingness 
is shown in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes whosoever believes God's willingness is not the problem I want to believe amen y'all can stand with me y'all are going to get to the to the restaurant they're going to go where where do y'all go to church I didn't know how long the kids would be but man we could have just said amen at the end of that I'm telling you the little shepherd was yawning. It was perfect. He is so much his mother and father. What a beautiful combination. Little star was up here just trying to see. Nothing more, nothing more beautiful. In fact, I think Jesus said it pretty well when he said, unless you come to me as a little child. I think that just kind of put us all there this morning, didn't it? I didn't even have to get up here and say a word. 